Good evening. If you have a Bible, uh, please turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. The chapter begins on page 1008 of the Pew Bibles. Uh, thanks for coming out this Sunday evening. Uh, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper. Uh, I know it's not normal practice for us to have a Sunday evening service. Uh, so we're glad to see you this, morning, this evening. If you would please join me in a word of prayer before we begin. O oh Lord God, there is no God like You, in heaven above or on earth beneath, keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to Your servants who walk before You with all their heart. Be with us now, O oh God, as we open Your Word. And God, we pray that You would speak words of life to us. You would dwell in us richly. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So about this time next summer, people all over the world will wrap themselves in their country's flags for the 2016 Summer Olympics in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. We will cheer on our favorite athletes in swimming, in track and field, and my personal favorite, ping pong. 91 years ago, the 1924 Olympics were held in Paris, France, and like us, people all over the world gathered to root on their favorite athlete. And one of the favorites of the 1924 Olympics was a man named Eric Little. Born in 1902, Eric Little was a Scottish Olympian whose Olympic career was not without controversy. Eric was marked by two great loves, a love for God and a love for running. He was the favorite in the men's 100-meter race in the 1924 Olympics, but that race took place on a Sunday. And for Eric, he desired to honor, his desire was to honor the Lord by keeping the Sabbath. And so he refused to run the race that day. And as you might imagine, his coaches, his teammates, and his countrymen were all quite upset. Instead of running that race, Eric ran the 400-meter race the next day, and he brought home the gold. His racing life was captured in the 1981 movie, Chariots of Fire. And in that movie, Eric Little is reported as once saying that he loved to run because when he ran, he felt the pleasure of God. Eric Little has a wonderful testimony. But honestly, I cannot in any way identify with his love for running. I despise running, which is unfortunate because Hebrews chapter 12 is all about running. In verses 1 and 2, God means to motivate us to run the race of faith with joy. The Christian life is not aimless wandering. It's not thoughtless meandering. It's not lazy inaction. No, the Christian life is a race. And it's a race that we run for joy and with joy. In our short time this evening, we'll study Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 under four exhortations. Four exhortations. First, run together. Second, run in holiness. Third, run with perseverance. And fourth, run with focus. Run together, run in holiness, run with perseverance, and run with focus. Now hear the word of God from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, 
the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In these two verses, we see four four exhortations. And the first exhortation is run together, run together. Chapter 12 is actually the capstone to a lengthy section of Hebrews where the author, beginning in Hebrews chapter 10, encourages the Christian not to lose heart in the Christian life, in the Christian race of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 is the famous famous hall of faith where we read about Abel, who offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, where Abraham obeyed God in faith and was counted to him as righteousness. We read of Moses and David and Gideon and others. And then we get to Hebrews 12, and we're meant to think of a sporting event, of an Olympic Colosseum, where the hall of faith of chapter 11 is gathered together to cheer on those who are running the race of faith today. So chapter 12, verse 1, we see we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. We're meant to get the mental picture of a Colosseum being surrounded by witnesses cheering us on. The good news is that we do not run this race alone, Christian. If ever there are times of loneliness and discouragement, beloved, you should know that God has not left you alone. For millennia, God's people have heard God's Word, have obeyed God's Word, and have finished the race in faith. You are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses in the past, and you are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses today. Brothers and sisters, look around you. You have brothers and sisters in Christ to run the race together. God has given you each other to run the race, both here and in other congregations around the world. He has given you each other to run this race, and He has given you each other to keep the faith. The second exhortation is run in holiness. We run together and we run in holiness. Verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. One of the primary reasons that God gives us the church is not only to run the race together, but to run the race in holiness. We live in a day where the call for holiness is typically met with derision. Derision in the culture, where the call for holiness infringes upon a perceived autonomy to do what is right in our own eyes. And derision in the church, where professing Christians are quick to cry out legalism. To be a Christian in our day is a willful decision to go against the culture, and at times, to even go against the church culture. But verse 1 reminds us that God's call for holiness has always been countercultural. The Holy Spirit was calling this Hebrew congregation nearly 2,000 years ago to do exactly what He is calling us to do today, to run the race of faith in holiness. And specifically, He addresses two areas of holiness. First, and most expectedly, uh, we are to lay aside our sin. We're to lay aside our sin. Sin is any transgression of God's law, any right thing we should do but don't do. And we're to set it aside. Sin clings closely, or as one translation puts it, sin ensnares us. Our sin is like a cancerous tumor that grows in and through and around an otherwise healthy organ 
And over time, without proper remedy, this cancer will take our lives. The only proper remedy for sin is the grace of God working in your life through repentance and faith. And so Christian, kill the sin in your life by laying it aside. Kill the sin in your life by laying it on the Lord Jesus Christ in faith. As the old Puritan said, be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. But notice also that the author tells us that holiness is not only setting aside our sin, but holiness is setting aside every weight or every hindrance, as the NIV puts it. It's not only sin that hinders your race of faith, but even morally neutral things, even things that may be good in and of themselves, can hinder your race. Think of it like this. If Michael Phelps, the great Olympic swimmer, if he injected himself with heroin before he swam the meat, he would be incapable of swimming. It would be a sin. It would be morally wrong and he should not do it. But what if, before his swim meet, he decides that he should meet our Friday morning men's book study at Bentley's and he should have breakfast. That's certainly not a sin, as best as I can tell. But it's definitely a hindrance in swimming in an Olympic meet. Bentley's breakfast special is delicious. It's three pancakes, hash browns, eggs, and bacon. It's not conducive to swimming, even if it's certainly delicious. And that is exactly what the author is saying. He's saying that sin will kill you, but other good things in your life may hinder you from running the race well. Brothers and sisters, what otherwise good things in your life keep you from running the race of faith well? Is it a job? Is it money? Is it certain expectations that you might have for yourself? Certain expectations that others might have for you? Brothers and sisters, we should lay them aside. We should give them to Jesus We should lay aside our sin. We should lay aside every weight that hinders our race. And we should run the race set before us with holy freedom. Because Jesus has taken those sins and weights from us. So run together. Run in holiness. And third, keep running. Keep running. Run with perseverance. Run with perseverance. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance or with perseverance the race that is set before us. The Holy Spirit here exhorts us to keep running. It's easier to keep running when you're running together, and it's easier to keep running when you've laid aside the weights and the sins that hinder your race. But perhaps the most encouraging part of this part of verse 1 is the reality that there is a race set before us. There is a course marked out for us. Brothers and sisters, do you have the power to set your own course? We live in a society that says, set your own course, make your own way, set your own paths. But Brothers and sisters, did you plan and schedule and manipulate every little detail of your life thus far? Did you get here today in every situation of your life by pulling up your own bootstraps? If you think you did, can you do that for the future? 
Can you maintain your power in the future? No, you cannot. And no, you did not. Only God, only God, the author of all history, can set the course before you. And He has set a course before you. And friends, this is good news. God is most loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering. He is abundant in goodness. By His most wise and holy providence, He has set a course for you. And you can keep running because God is good. And God works all things according to the counsel of His goodwill. And He does this for your good. And He does this for the glory of His name. Run together. Run in holiness. Keep running. Hebrews 12.1 exhorts us to do these things. Run the race of faith together. Run the race of faith in holiness. Run the race of faith with endurance. And verse 2, in verse 2, it exhorts us to run the race of faith with focus. Run the race of faith with focus. Every person, every person here, every person in this world runs a race of faith. The most important question in that race is who is your faith focused on? Who is the focus of your faith? The Holy Spirit says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And in verse 2, he says this, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the founder of our faith. He is the source of our faith. The Lord Jesus is the object of faith and He is the affection for every true Christian. Jesus is our exemplar. He's our example. He ran together with His disciples. He ran in holiness, never once sinning. He kept running, even enduring the wrath of God on the cross. And so we have a choice this evening. We have a choice this evening. We either run the race that is set before us focused on Jesus or we run that race focused on any number of other things. That's the choice. There are two ways, Jesus or something else. But the only way to finish the race, the only way to finish the Christian race is to focus on Jesus. And brothers and sisters, why wouldn't we want to? Why would we dare look anywhere else? Notice the rest of verse 2. The rest of verse 2. Looking to Jesus, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. When faced with the agony of the cross, the Lord Jesus endured for the joy that was set before Him. He despised the shame of the cross for the joy that was set before Him. Brothers and sisters, what is that joy? Church, you are that joy. You are His joy. Do not look anywhere else in your race, but look to Jesus. Look to Jesus because He has made you His joy. Friends, if you're here tonight and you are not a Christian, I want you to know that in your race, there is only one object of faith that will give you everlasting joy. And He is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Friend, you have not run your race in holiness. You have sinned against God and others. But Jesus was sinless. Friend, you deserve judgment. But Jesus endured the cross for the joy of redeeming any sinner who would repent and truly believe. Friend, I encourage you tonight to turn from your sin, to turn your eyes upon Jesus and to believe so that your joy and so that His joy may be complete. Tonight we celebrate the Lord's Supper. One way that we run this race with focus on Jesus is to give ourselves to the means of grace given to us by God. God has given His people means of grace that provide encouragement for the Christian life. It's been said that we live in the age of the ear. Faith comes by hearing. But God has also given us a visual reminder of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. In baptism, by faith, we are buried with Christ in His death and we're raised with Him in His resurrection. In the Lord's Supper, God reminds us of the body of Christ given on the cross and the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The Supper also reminds us of what we read at the end of verse 2, that Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We celebrate the Lord's Supper, declaring His death now until He comes again from His throne at the right hand of God. And brothers and sisters, until He returns, or until you are with Him in glory, wherever we are on this earth, let us run the race that is marked out with us, for us with brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us run the race marked out for us in holiness. Let us keep running the race that is marked out for us because our God is good. And brothers and sisters, let us run this race looking to Jesus because He is our joy. Let's pray. Joyful, joyful, O God, we adore Thee. And we pray tonight, Father, that You would make our hearts glad in You. Lord God, we pray that You would make us more like the Lord Jesus so that our joy may be complete and so that Your joy may be complete and Your glory be known in all the earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.